The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to a guided life podcast where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Through a mix of solo and interview episodes, I want to showcase all the different ways the spirit world helps guide our daily lives, whether it's through intuition, signs, mediumship, channeling, the mystical or the paranormal, our altruistic spirit guides and other members of our loving soul team are always there, ready, able and willing to guide us. Welcome to another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. I am your host, Laura West, and I am joined today by my guest, Nancy Reed. Nancy is an intuition amplifier, sacred embodiment coach, author, and Pilates instructor. Hello, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Laura. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, absolutely. To get us started, I wanted to ask you, how has spirit guided your life? Oh my gosh, in every way. It's never not been a part of my life. It's always been a part of my journey. Even when I was a little girl, I didn't know how to clarify it then. I thought that maybe it was like some lights that I was seeing, or I used to call them my sparkles that would look like glitter, almost like falling down from the ceiling. But it came as a direct request as a little girl that was really scared as my parents were getting divorced. And at the time, all I knew was to pray to Jesus. And I wasn't really that religious, but I knew from my grandma taking me to Sunday school (laughs) that Jesus was a figure that little children could go to if they had problems and someone that would listen and would help. So I remember actually making this very earnest prayer as a five-year-old when my parents were getting divorced and I was having these recurring nightmares. And I said, Jesus, could you please help me? I'm so scared. I can't go to sleep and I don't know what's going to happen next. And my dad's moving out and did I do something wrong and all these things. And then it was like the strangest thing where my room just got lighter and lighter and lighter. I looked up and from my ceiling, I saw what I can only describe as my sparkles, which was like somebody was shaking a can of glitter of all pastel colors from the ceiling. It came every night. I was able to sleep and they didn't say anything. They didn't make it. It was very gentle, very very soft, but they stayed with me long enough. And I remember the whole divorce process come to its conclusion. And there was one night that I looked up and I said, thank you, Sparkles. You've helped me so much. And now it's okay. You can go help another little girl. (laughs) And I just released them. And then I didn't see them anymore after that. So that was one of my earliest experiences of a spiritual presence. 
Wow. What a profound experience to all these years later. So <laughs> remember the impact that that had on you. I can just picture you as a little girl. It just warms my heart to hear you say a prayer like that. How could they deny such a sweet request? I know, right? I know. I was there like my little hands up and I was on my knees and oh, everything. My and you're like a, one of those precious moments. Yes, also. exactly. The little figurines. Yes, that yeah. was pretty much it. Oh, I love it. So was it just that their presence made you feel better or what was it about these sparkles that helped you? So I felt like that for one thing, it was making my room not be so dark. I was always afraid of the dark as a young child. And my mother even put like the 23rd Psalm up on our wall. And again, even though we weren't religious, she had reached out to somebody through Edgar Casey's group, the ARE, which she was involved in. And they said something about, well, go ahead and put that up on her wall and maybe that'll help her sleep better. I think it did a little bit when I was really, really, really little. So I believe that now, based on what I know now, that probably when I came into the world, I was still very connected to not being of it. And so everything here was very overwhelming and very frightening to me. And I didn't know how to articulate that. So all I could do was be scared <laughs> in the dark and call out. And my mom even said when I was like, I don't know, around three or four, I used to say, mommy, could you just put me back inside? I don't know what to do here. And she'd look at me and be like, who are you? you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, where is this coming from? And so I always had that feeling that this wasn't really my home. It was more of a temporary condition, I guess you would say. <laughs> sure. And so I just didn't feel normal. And I felt that I needed to hide. I felt that all of these like feelings that I had of knowing energy and I could feel spaces before I went inside of them. I could tell people's feelings, even in an ice cream shop. And I mentioned this in my book that I went in with my mom. Always my mom was there. My dad was working a lot. <laughs> I was there with my mom and I said, mom, why is that little girl so sad? We were in an ice cream store and my mom's like, she doesn't look sad to me. She's in an ice cream shop. And I was like, no, 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 she's really sad. And she finally went up to talk to the mom that was there with her. And she said, I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but did something bad happen today? Or is everything all right or something? And the mom was like, oh yeah, we just had to put our dog to sleep. And it was like one of the last memories that the little girl had about being happy with her dog coming outside and having ice cream together. So we brought her here. And my mom was like, huh, Okay. So then she started taking my <laughs> feelings a little bit more seriously. But again, nobody really knew how to manage them. It wasn't spoken about as much. None of my friends were talking about having these feelings and knowing things. And so I just used my ability to do that to then become a chameleon and blend in the background. And so I really tried to dull my connection to spirit, but it was always there. And I tried to just be quote unquote normal and be like everybody else. I used to say I wanted the power of invisibility. So that nobody would notice me because people always did, even if I tried to hide. So it took a long time, actually, until I grew up to really remember that part of myself that even though I had tried to deny it, it was always there. And then to actually see it as the gift it was rather than the curse. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the biggest realization for many of us is that for those of us who have had childhood experiences and suppressed them to fit in in our teenage years or whatever the case may be, to then have them come up again to realize that it really is a blessing, like you had mentioned, versus a curse. Okay, so you briefly mentioned the word book. So I want to go back and talk to you about this book that you wrote called Happily Ever Now, Not After Everything Else is Perfect. I love that play on words <laughs> of the happily ever after. So I love that. How did you come up with that title? 
You know, it was one of those intuitions. It was one of those moments with spirit where I actually have been working with a coaching client. I was talking to her. She was a perfectionist and she was waiting always in relationships and everything for the after to have permission to start her new business, to start anything. She was always in that place of indecision. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes you just got to go for it and live your happily ever now, not after. Everything else is perfect. And she was like, that. <laughs> you need to remember that phrase. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I did. And then when I was writing the book, it had been a lifelong dream. And I had this other vision where I was really struggling with writer's block and I was feeling my own perfectionism. So I was living my book as I was writing it. And I had this voice that came to me very clearly in meditation visualization. And it said, but Nancy, it's already written. You just need to remember It's like you get to decide when you're willing to access this, but it's already done. And so then I was able to just let go and really just be in the moment and be like, well, then I don't need to worry about when it's going to get finished. I don't need to worry, have any urgency about it reaching the people that's meant for. Maybe it's only meant for me (laughs) to experience it, but whoever it is, I'm going to trust because I know it's already done. So this has already happened and I'm just remembering it. That was such a load off of my shoulders as this lifetime perfectionist and an empath and an intuitive and all these other things just to let go and lean in and trust that timing, meeting me exactly right on time. And that is how it unfolded. Great. Well, let me ask you next then, what is the book about? So the book is a gentle guide for overcoming the paralysis of perfectionism by embracing our innate guidance. It is a combination of, I guess I would say, self-help and inspirational stories. I share my personal memoir a little bit. And then I also share testimonials from clients that I've worked with. I've helped facilitate the transformations of over 1,000 clients um, from all the different hats that I wear. (laughs) So I share about, I think, six or seven of those. I can't even remember exactly, but in the story as well. And then I offer a one-week mindset reset, which is really a primer for letting yourself get ready to live your happily ever now, which is a 12-week program that is self-study that I guide people through. It includes all these exercises. It's similar to the artist's way where you can repeat it as many times as you want. It meets you where you are. I have people that have been telling me, oh, I finished it. And then I did it again. And I had a totally different experience. Wow. I wanted that. I really wanted the book to be something that wasn't just a one and done. I also wanted to offer everything included in it. I didn't want people to think they had to read the book first before they could work with me or before they could experience anything I was promising or speaking about, because that's going to be exactly what your inner perfectionist would want. So I wanted them to experience that freedom and that success of trusting their inner voice and getting to try that on for size. And then if they want to go on and work with me privately or come to any of my group offerings or anything like that, we can do that and they can connect with me. But I wanted them to have this book really as that gift and basically as a reward to themselves for saying yes to being a part of their self-healing and their self-discovery process rather than apart from it. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease 
and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Can you share a little tidbit of one of the exercises that somebody can find in the book? Absolutely. So in the book itself, I share a lot of times as like an allegory for the writing from Alice in Wonderland, which was a very important book to me as a little girl. It's one of my favorite stories. And then as I grew older, I realized how much wisdom was within it, actually, even for us adults, because the main thing that Alice teaches us is that by remaining curious and kind rather than judgmental, (laughs) that we are able to look at things differently, that we are able to recognize that if it was our own decision to go to sleep that got us into Wonderland, that it also then becomes our own decision to wake up, to leave it. And there's something so empowering in that. And so I talk about that specifically that if we're in our lives and we're feeling like that something is out of alignment, that something just isn't feeling like it's possible, that we can look at the original thought that conceived the intention that we had to get us to this moment. If it's something that we see that maybe was limiting or that was perfectionism showing up in a lot of different hats, then we can go back to that and we can say, hmm, so I wonder what that was for. How can I now approach this differently? We have to see it all in order to heal it all. And so as part of that healing, what I invite people to try on as one of the exercises in Happily Ever Now is to schedule an unbirthday party for yourself. Oh, I love it. Because <laughs> Alice reminds us that we have 364 and a quarter <laughs> unbirthdays every year that we don't need to wait for that one day to have a party for ourselves, to celebrate for ourselves. And so I encourage people in the book, I say, take out your calendars and mark it. Pick the date, commit to it, and throw yourself an unbirthday party. You can invite friends or you can have it just be by yourself and <laughs> celebrate all the amazing that is you. Don't wait every year and think, I only get to have this once a year. I only get to celebrate myself. I only get to talk about myself. I only get to take that light that is within me and I get to shine it and share it with others. And instead to recognize that if we can give ourselves permission every single day to have our unbirthday be celebrated, then we show others what's possible for them as well. And we're all connected. So what's healing for one is healing for all. Oh yeah, 100%. So is Wonderland the place to go to uncover and discover all of these ideals and all of these ways of looking at the world differently than not being in Wonderland? So you could use the example of Wonderland if you wanted to. And for some people that might align and they're like, yes, I totally get that. But here's the thing about Wonderland. On the surface, it looks beautiful. But when you actually peel back the layers and look at it, it's pretty awful. Yeah, it seems chaotic. People lose their heads. (laughs) There's like... There's mad tea parties, right? They're not kind. (laughs) They're not not gentle. So really, Wonderland is that experience of illusion. 
that is apart from what is our authentic self and our perfectly imperfect self. And that's what I encourage people to try on is that when you're able to gently let go of needing everything to be perfect, you're instead inviting yourself to show up as your perfectly imperfect you with everyone and everywhere. And that's actually what becomes the catalyst for change is you being the same you. And that echoes a teaching in A Course in Miracles, which I'm also a teacher of, and I've been a student of for over two decades. <laughs> so something that really is all a part of me, integrated as much as possible into everything that I am and do. So this is an extension of that idea, which I have seen so many clients now get to have that same experience of living their own happily ever now. I know it was true for me that as soon as I decided to show up as my perfectly imperfect self, and that means a lot of imperfections, (laughs) a lot of hiccups, because it's not like overcoming perfectionism is a cure. There's nothing in that because that's just more judgment and that's more comparison and more shame and blame. And so our egos are going to try to trick us into thinking that that is something that is worthy, that we need to overcome it. We need to go to war with that part of ourselves. So instead, I encourage people to look at what's really working in your life and then expand that. Get to have more of what is possible, more of what is making you feel like you're happily ever is now, not after everything else needs to be perfect according to some standards that you really don't care about, that aren't meaningful to you. Make your own checklist by checking in. And that is what I've seen so many, including myself, have be that catalyst that gently softens how they're showing up in the world because now there's the consistency coming from an internal place. And then you're able to navigate everything external that changes all the time from that place of consistency and that place of empowerment. Yeah. I mean, consistency sounds fantastic because if it's something that you can expect (laughs) over and over, well, similar results for what's meant to be, then you then tend to start to trust that process and trust what's meant to come for you. Exactly. So the course that comes with the book is already in the book. Or is there a separate course? Yes. So the first version of the course, I have a few different things. So as of right now, I have a 12-week program that I've done in small groups online that I've delivered and that basically inspired me to include them in the book with what I saw with my clients' experiences from applying that 12 weeks into their life. And again, you can do it in more than 12 weeks. You can repeat it as many times as you want. It's just a 12-week structure because some people really, especially perfectionists, <laughs> like to have structure and framework to things and they want to feel like there's a win too. They want to know they can check it off and say, oh, I did week one, I did week two. So I wanted to provide that. But there are a lot of questions in each week that I encourage people to get their own dedicated journal. And I didn't make my own journal and have that included with this book because again, I didn't want to assume that I knew what was best for anyone. I wanted to give them the freedom to look within themselves and find what is the journal that I want to use for this? What is the one that is going to allow me to feel successful? That's going to inspire me to want to use it and to trust their own intuition. Like you were saying, I mean, trust is so crucial. If we don't trust our own inner voice, then how can we trust 
anything else that is coming in from our intuition. So we first need to even recognize it, remember it, and try it out in small increments. So the 12-week program that's included in the book is different from a new course that I am creating right now, which is going to be about extending the ideas in happily ever now. And it's actually living happily ever now, (laughs) which is applying that into your everyday life and getting to really look at your perfectionism, but from these other places and from being able to experience it in different ways so that you can, if you're somebody who's like me before writing a book and you're finding yourself hitting that perfectionism wall, you can take the idea in this course and you can apply them. If you're somebody that finds yourself as a new parent and you're feeling like you're comparing yourself online with everyone that seems to be these mama influencers that have the body, that have the this, that have the that, you can take that and you can bring that as your classroom to apply the things that we're going to be talking about in this course as well. So it really does meet any heart-centered, empathic, intuitive, sensitive woman wherever she is so that she can feel like she's always already enough when she's being her perfectly imperfect self. Ooh, love it. That sounds fantastic. And then you mentioned a free gift. Yes. So I have a free gift, which I'm so excited about. It is a line with love self-healing gift set. So this is a guided meditation on inviting gentleness, because that is a core to all of my messaging and to everything that I am and everything that I do. It's really just about inviting gentleness into our lives, but in a very gentle way. So again, looking with a different lens, and that's about 15 minutes. They get that access via a download. And then there's also a seven-day PDF that I offer, which is self-healing journaling prompts. That also can be an extension to the book if you decide to read it beforehand, but you don't have to have read the book beforehand. So there are definitely ideas and concepts that I discuss in the book. But again, if you want to start with the gift and try that on for size and then read the book, That's totally fine too, because everything's perfectly imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And so we'll have links to all those things in the show notes so that it'll be easily accessible. So this book that you wrote, when did you publish it? So I published it in March of 2023. And it's already getting some recognition, right? Some awards? Yes, yes, yes. It won actually three first place gold medal book fest awards. (laughs) Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I'm blown away. It's such great confirmation. Oh yeah. That really, when you are willing to show up as your perfectly imperfect self, that everything is possible. So were those three awards like three different categories? Yes. So three different categories of self-help book. So there was one on inspiration, one on spirituality, and then one on self-happiness. Oh, wonderful. Wow. So congratulations on that. Now I know there's going to be a link in the show notes for the book. What are some different ways that somebody could get a book so we can at least say it here too? Oh, sure. So I do have a specific book site 
that they can go to that's just dedicated to the book itself. And that is happilyevernowbook.com. So pretty easy to remember. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you can go and see reviews from people there. You can also download the free gift there, the Align with Love self-healing gift set that I mentioned. And you could also get a direct link to Amazon from there to purchase the book. You can also find it at Barnes & Noble online. And I believe there's like, I don't know, 50 other websites and partners that if you Google it, it does show up. So you can definitely find it in all different places all around the world. Oh, wonderful. I bet your publisher is excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was self-published. Oh my goodness. Look at you. <laughs> so yeah, your publisher is very excited for you. <laughs> very excited. Very, very, very yeah. excited. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. So the intuition or your guides or whoever it was, was right saying that it's already written. You just have to remember and look at the outcome of it. Yeah. Like I said, it's like a pinch me moment. Am I dreaming? Is this possible? And no, I'm fully awake. And I just hope that anyone that's listening to this realize that if it's possible for me, it's possible for you too, because we are all connected. And so when we get to share our wins and where we're shining in life, that we're just allowing others to look inside themselves and say, now what's possible for me? So because it was so intuitively guided to write this book, how long did it take to actually write it? <laughs> I'm laughing. Seven years. <laughs> I was like, oh, three months or something. No, 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 no. Seven years. I took that long for me to get out of my own way. From the oh. moment that I had that realization, I mean, really, it's been a lifetime in process. The funny thing is, is that my inner perfectionist, I actually had a invitation to write my quote unquote dream book years ago when I lived in Los Angeles and before I became a mom and all these other things that I mentioned in the book. And my perfectionism talked me out of that contract <laughs> because I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start. It was like my dream publisher of publishers. So what I share that for is just to let us know that if something's meant to be, it will be. And to really trust the timing of it and trust knowing the timing. And that's a really big shift that anyone can try on for size is that you go from saying, I think, to I know. When you're saying, I know, you're affirming that you do know the truth of you. Even if it's the perfectly imperfect truth of you, you always know it. When you go into that, I think mindset, you're actually answering usually questions with questions. You're still into that perfectionism idea, thinking that there's only one way that is going to ensure the one outcome that you've already decided is the only possibility for your success. And so I call this book, Happily Ever Now, my dissertation on healing because it healed me on so many levels. It was a decision to write this book rather than to go and get my PhD that I thought that I needed in life in order to be enough. I already have a master's degree, but I was like, well, if I get the doctorate, then people will take me seriously. Then all of my spiritual experiences will be validated and explained, right? Because there's that thought of when you're highly spiritual that you think that others are going to judge you for being a fraud because how can you prove anything? You're having these intuitions, you're having these experiences. And so by writing this book, it was me saying, I am always already enough. 
when I'm being my perfectly imperfect self. And I share about all of my experiences. I share about dreams that I've had. I share about my spiritual awareness. I share about my mentor, Ken Wapnick, who was highly, highly, highly pivotal in my life in really coming into my own with my own spirituality. And he is the original teacher of A Course in Miracles and how his death affected me and how I was able to go on from that. It's very, very, very vulnerable. And I would say that it was so healing for me to realize that vulnerability is strength and that gentleness is strength. And when we can bring that gentleness into anything that we're wanting to accomplish, then anything is possible except perfectionism. But without the perfectionism, you wouldn't have had that whole journey of (laughs) discovering the perfection of imperfection. Yes, exactly. No, no, no. And I even say that in the book, I am very grateful to my perfectionist, the inner perfectionist, as I call her, because without her, how would I choose something different? right? And I don't have to go to war with her. She's still very much there. I still listen all the time. And my mom used to say, it was like, I was rolling the gutter ball, like in the bowling alley or something like that. And I go sometimes all the way down to the pins and all before I recognize. But what I have realized is when I realize that I'm gentler with myself and I find myself giggling rather than wanting to slam my head into a wall or wanting to hide under the covers, even if I do that for maybe a few minutes. (laughs) But it really is about becoming more lighthearted and being able to be like, yep, I did that. Absolutely. And I'm not guilty. I'm perfectly imperfect, so I can never fail, really. Yeah. (laughs) But there are things that still cause me to want to have pause in life, even with this book, when it was doing so amazing. I'm just going to share this. I haven't really shared this much publicly yet. My book was doing amazing. It was the number one new release in multiple categories on Amazon. I was like, oh my God, this is happening. What do I even do with this? I thought maybe one person would read this. It was more just like me honoring that nothing was impossible because I was writing this book as being this perfectly imperfect self. And I was showing my daughter, who is my miracle baby, that I dedicate the book to as well, that nothing is impossible, even though mommy was doing all these things of momminess behind the scenes and not sleeping and having all these things with her and other things that I was still able to complete this book and I finished it and I put it out there. Maybe somebody would read it. And then when people actually were, I was like, oh, wow, what do I do now? I don't have this story anymore of things not working out. Who am I without these stories of not having success, of not having everything else? And it was really uncomfortable. So right away, of course, there was my ego and my inner perfectionist waiting for me, wanting to say that, hey, there's this expert that is saying they have a better way to market your book and that there's a way to change your categories on Amazon and do all these things, even though my book was number one. And so I was like, oh, wow. Well, apparently there was a shift in the algorithm and I didn't know about it. And there's this expert. Oh yeah, I better take that class. So I did. (laughs) And I did exactly what they said, but my book was already number one. So everything that I did ended up really tanking my book. So about six weeks after it was riding sky high, it was crashing. And I wanted to hide in a hole because I knew 
even as I was about to click the mouse to change the categories, there was that part of me, that inner voice that was like, take a pause here. Think about this. You don't need to do this. And then almost like the junkie chasing their last high was like, oh, but guess what? This is following the expert. This is being the perfectionist. This is what you know. Do it. Maybe there is something that you can make perfect. And I clicked it. And then I knew what was going to happen because I am intuitive and I knew exactly what was going to go down. Then it was a real classroom in me being able to continue to show up and continue to say, well, this is my book and it was number one and now it's not. And yet all these people, they still found it. They still loved it. And so little by little, it creeped back up on its own. And I started sharing that story with more people. And I said, so see, I'm not perfect. Please don't make me into a guru. I'm definitely not. But I was able to laugh about it in hindsight. And so I'm able to say that now and share that with people so that we can normalize this, that we can be gentle with ourselves rather than compare, that we don't have to go into that shaming and blaming. And instead we can go, well, okay, that's something that I'm still working on. It's something that's still very real for me. So can I be gentle with that? Can I be soft with that? And yes, I can. Yeah, I love that. I love the gentleness idea as far as how the world just seems so go, go, go. And there's a lot going on in the world right now that doesn't feel very good. So to find that gentleness in wherever we can. It sounds so calming and nurturing to hear that word. So I really, really like that. Can I quickly ask you, since we talked about intuition and we talked about inner voice and all this good stuff, what is your take on spirit guides? So as far as having a specific spirit guide, for me, I've never really experienced that. It's been more of like a generalization, like an abstract knowing and a presence. So in some ways, for me, at least that has been something that I've been more likely to trust because it wasn't specific. Because to me, real love and the real energy and the expression of us, however you want to say it, God, universe, source, that we are connected to would be nonspecific. It would be abstract. It would be eternal. And it would just be. For some people, I think that having a specific type of spirit guide or a face or something like that, maybe that's helpful to them. And that's amazing and awesome. For me, it's always been more of this generalized feeling of that calmness within that even if I'm in the midst of something terrifying, and I've had several near-death experiences that I mentioned in my book, that I've been able to be connected to something bigger than me. Now, I will say though, in my most recent near-death experiences, (laughs) I did feel the presence of my mentor, Ken Wapnick, there with me. Even when I almost died in childbirth, I had in the room with me during my C-section a meditation recording basically from him on kindness. (laughs) It was playing in the background. And I remember the surgeon and the doctor was just like, what is this? People usually have music and every, what are you listening to? And I'm like, oh, it's my mentor. And he's been so helpful to me. And he passed away a few years ago. And so hearing his voice will always keep me calm. And so when I almost died from hemorrhaging during the procedure, I heard his voice and I definitely felt his presence. And I do feel his presence specifically, but I also feel as though he has 
become part of that abstract love. So that expression of him that has a specificity to it is so that I recognize it as something that I can trust. And so that's been my experience with having a quote unquote spirit guide. Maybe that helps explain somebody else's experience with it as well. Yeah. But beyond that, it had always been more of this generalized abstract expression of total light and love. When you heard his voice, do you remember what he said? Oh yeah. Yeah. He said that true love doesn't require sacrifice. It's a choice made once experienced as eternity. Wow. So when you were having that near death experience, he's, and this was separate from the recording that you were playing. Oh yeah. No, he was not saying that. Yes. Got it. Wow. And that's impressive that you remembered that. (laughs) Well, it was one of those moments. And I speak about this in the book too, that literally time froze. So I can tell you everything that was happening in those very short few minutes as though it was hours. And it has seemed like time expanded. And it seemed like that the less that I was feeling, quote unquote, in my body, that I was feeling like I was saying goodbye, that the time expanded even more. And so I got this experience of him being there, totally there. Like there was no place he was not. It was really interesting. But the reason behind it, and I mentioned this in the book too, is that about a year before I got pregnant with my daughter, I had a dream where I had a baby and I'd been told my whole life that I probably wouldn't have a child because I have these weird anatomy issues. Like I was born with two uteruses, one kidney, (laughs) two cervixes. It's a rare condition called uterus idelphus. It was something that I had just sort of accepted that I was not going to be a mom in the biological sense and that I was going to be a mom to all my clients and getting to have them as my family and everything like that. But here I was in my dream pregnant and it was a little girl. I'm on the table and I hear this voice and they ask me, are you willing to give your life for her? And I say, yes. And in the dream, I died and she was born. Come about a year later, I find myself pregnant. Amazingly, miraculously, after reconnecting with my ex-husband, who I ended up remarrying. So that's another part of the story. (laughs) That is the miracle. So there we are not being able to have a child before. And here we are now finding ourselves pregnant. And I knew that it was going to be a little girl, but I wouldn't say it out loud. And I didn't tell a single soul about my dream. And so I was like, well, I know how this is going to end, but I must have agreed to this. And so this must be part of my next chapter in life, basically, too. So it wasn't that I felt like I was sacrificing anything, although I really did on a deeper level. I had this very challenging pregnancy. I had vertigo. I wasn't gaining weight. I was passing out all the time. Well, it turned out that one of the uteruses that I conceived her in, the larger one, that the only way that she would not be born early for preterm labor, which is what they were worried about the entire time, was somehow that uterus managed to twist. It's called uterine torsion. And again, it's very rare. The ultrasound showed as though everything was normal. 
because it can't see this twisting. So to them, everything was fine and they couldn't explain why I kept passing out. So I couldn't even have my feet down on the ground. If they were down flat on the ground when I was sitting, my blood pressure would tank and I'd pass out. (laughs) So my book even opens with one of these experiences of me passing out and thinking that I'm dying because all the colors go away and there's just this light and feeling like that, oh, I, I almost made it to the actual delivery, but I didn't quite get there. But I did. So I'm going through all of this. And then it turns out I'm on the table. They cut me open. And oh, yes, I am having a little girl. They told me that before. I have to add that in. And I was like, oh, boy, okay. I was kind of actually hoping that wasn't true because, okay, well. (laughs) So then I'm going through and I'm like, okay, if the baby's going to keep saying yes, there must be a purpose for this. And so I'm not going to say no. So I kept on going and kept on going as best I could. I was trying to be perfect at being pregnant and I realized I could not be. So I just let go and surrendered. And there I am on the table. They're cutting me open and they go, where's the baby? And I'm like, what? Where's the baby? And then another surgeon in the room goes, oh, I see her. She's twisted. So then they have to untwist the uterus by doing that. My baby ended up swallowing all this amniotic fluid. They had to rush her to the NICU. I sent my husband to go with her as my first act as a new mom. But in all that excitement and them focusing on her, they forgot about me. I started hemorrhaging. And so that's when I had this experience of dying. I heard the same voice that I heard in my dream saying, are you willing to give your life for her? And I said, yes. And then this time it was my mentor, Ken's voice who responded, but you don't have to Nancy. True love doesn't require sacrifice. It's a choice made once experienced as eternity. Then all of a sudden the anesthesiologist noticed what was happening and was like, Oh no, you don't. She jabbed this needle into my shoulder that stopped the bleeding. And I survived. And I get to be mom to my sweet now seven-year-old. Oh my goodness. What an incredible story (laughs) on so many levels and paradigms. I mean, that's just amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so please buy Nancy's book because I'm sure there are more incredible stories (laughs) like that. You're very generous to share that one. So (laughs) thank you so much. So to help wrap up our interview, Nancy, I know you've shared so many amazing things already. But is there a message that you would like to give to the listener for the time that they hear this episode, like a closing message? What I'd like them to know is that now is always the perfectly imperfect time to begin living your best, most abundant, most aligned, gentle life. Thank you so much, Nancy, for that. And thank you so much for your time, for sharing your story, for sharing everything that you've got going on and for the free gift for the listener. Really appreciate you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Laura. This was delightful. And that was another episode of a Guided Life podcast. To connect with me via my socials or for links to my book titled Guided or my card deck called From Your Spirit Guides, please visit my Linktree site at l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash guided west. Thanks so much for tuning in and until next time, love and light always. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, 
a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.